Hello and welcome to I Assure You We're Podcasting, the show on Talk Film Society where we discuss the work of Kevin Smith. I'm Mike and today I am joined by Mr. Talk Film Society himself. Marcelo. How's it going, Marcelo? It's going great. Again, you don't have to call me Mr. Talk Film Society. <laughs> have I done that before? <laughs> I think on one of the last Soderbergh episodes you have, maybe. It, <laughs> it's fine. Um, okay. uh, just uh, my, my, uh, uh, my dad is Mr. Talk Film Society. I'm just Marcelo. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, thank you for joining us today to discuss Kevin Smith's second masterpiece, Mall Rats. Yes. <laughs> uh, we'll get into it. Uh, <laughs> I'll share my opinion for sure. Um, yeah, and I'll, yeah. I'll share mine too. <laughs> That's how usually uh, these things go. Usually. <laughs> uh, I, I, happy to be talking with you, Mike. Uh, I mean, this is your second episode. Haven't heard your first one yet. Um, and I know like we have our own little thing we do for Soderbergh, 2828. Uh, by the way, eagerly anticipating the announcement of his next movie, uh, the release date. Um, hoping it'll yeah. be this year. We'll see. Magic Mike's Last Dance. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. That, that, that'll be the next one. Oh, probably next year. What am I saying? He's still working on it. Um, but yeah, in, in, in the meantime, like we've had conversations about this podcast. It's been percolating. It's at your brain, Mike. Mm-hmm. I'm excited it's, it's, it's going. Uh, it, we, we talked about you know future guests and the episodes and whatnot. And um, I'll just say, uh, yes, you came to me and said, "Hey, how about this as a as a podcast series?" And I'm like, "Great, Mike, you're the best." So of course I'll say yes. <laughs> um, and like, you know, not to take over the show, but I'll just say I have thoughts on Kevin Smith. We've talked about it off mic, and I've talked about it on mic with like um, Marcus Irving on like other episodes of, uh, of of his and I's shows, multiple shows. And we've done commentaries on Smith movies, uh, he and I. And me and me and Matt Curion did a commentary for Clark. So I have thoughts on Smith, and I'm sure we'll get into them. Um, but I'm excited that I, I was invited on this on this series. Well, that was one of the reasons why I wanted to do this show, is because I've heard some of your thoughts on Kevin Smith. And <laughs> yeah. um, one of my main goals was to uh, convert you, in a sense, into the uh, the Church of Smith, or whatever you want to call it. The Church of Smith. I'm sure he has his own uh, 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 name for what he does over there. Uh, Smith sure and does. yeah, the the Smodcast, the 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 View Askew verse, mm-hmm. the Church of the View Askew, whatnot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, uh, well, let's let's get into it then, because like, I want to kind of replicate that conversation we had long ago off mic. I think we had just done a Soderbergh episode, and uh, Clerks Three was brought up or something, or Kevin Smith in general. And around that time, I did, I like I said, I did do a commentary with Matt Curione uh, on Clerks. I revisited Clerks. A few months later, I, I did do a commentary with Matt uh, with Marcus Irving on Dogma, and then I restarted rewatching Kevin Smith movies around that time. I rewatched Zack and Mary. Um, I don't know what else I've rewatched of his. I was in a Kevin Smith mood, and then yeah, we had this conversation you and I about him as a person and how I felt about him. And you did kind of change my mind of like, well, I guess that's back up. Okay. I think the turning point for me, uh, I loved him in the nineties and the early two thousands. Like I do love dogma. I do love clerks. Uh, uh, James on the Bob strike back. 
I I really like it. I haven't seen it in a while. Uh, Chasing Amy, haven't seen it in a while, but I remember liking it. Mallrats, we'll get to. Um, but the turning point for me, Zach and Mary, I do love. I did re- re- love that one on, on the revisit. But then, yeah, the turning point was Red State for me. Uh, not only the movie Red State, but his persona, mm-hmm. uh, which I'm sure you get to, you, you get into all this backstory in the Red State episode later on. But for those who don't know, yeah, Kevin Smith made a big deal about selling himself uh, the movie Red State at a film festival, right? Mike, you know the details, I'm sure. Yeah, just 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 give me like the rundown of what happened during that Red State sort of. So what I call, in my eyes, a fiasco. <laughs> but it was actually, in, in retrospect, the, the way you the way you like retold me that story, it did feel to me like he was in the right. But back then, I felt like, what is this jerk doing? But yeah, I I, I, I want you to get into into that red state thing, Mike. I mean, essentially, what happened was, you know, after going all over town trying to get like six million bucks to make this movie, everyone rejected him, and he ended up raising the money himself. And when it came time to find distribution, he made a big deal about how the movie was going to premiere at Sundance. And then in the room after the screening, he was going to sell the rights to the movie to the highest bidder. Or right, right. Or maybe he didn't say to the highest bidder. Maybe he said sell the rights to the movie in the auction off the rights to the movie in the in the room right right and that of course was a really big deal you know and and you know people were flocking to the screening and everything like that and then at the end of the screening he gets up there and uh he buys the rights to the movie from himself essentially for a dollar yeah and announces that he's going to take the movie out on the road uh and and release it that way and the industry, of course, was like, what's with this guy? He's such an asshole, blah, blah, blah. Which, honestly, is that's, how, that's what I thought of him at mm-hmm. that point. Not only yeah. because he did that, but because I saw the movie eventually and thought, this is not as good as... It. All of that did not... Dis- uh, for that movie... Um, I don't know. If it was a better movie, maybe it'd be more on his side. <laughs> but it ended up being just being like, no. Like, why, why for this movie? Why... I don't like Red State. I don't like that. I, I don't think he was capable to make that change of pace uh, and do that kind of horror movie at that mm-hmm. time anyway. I don't know if he's capable of it now. I guess we'll talk about that later too. Um, the, 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 him as a filmmaker currently. But yeah, it didn't work for me. And then since then, it's been a downhill decline. It's It's been like what uh, yoga hosers and... Tusk, uh, yeah, uh, I saw those movies in theaters and not a fan. So since Red State, it's been it's been downhill for me and Kevin Smith. Um, but no, like I said, I love the guy. I do. I in present tense, I love the guy. Um, he he is kind of like annoying. Sure, I mean, <laughs> who is what, what podcaster isn't annoying? Um, yes. But yeah, he to me. He is catering to his like loyalists, his fans of him and his podcasts. He's making movies for them, but they're just not for me anymore. Um, that's how I feel about him now. But yeah, but but you also brought up a few other things. I can't remember, Mike. But I'm, but what you brought up was like made me think. Oh, he's not that bad, really. After all, although since then he has gotten into NFTs, <laughs> he had he did release a movie. Uh, I forget the name of it in an NFT. So I don't know, good and bad. 
Mark. Yeah, I mean the NFT thing, you know, was is disappointing. Um, at the same time, I, I do feel like this is one of those situations which I mean we're, I mean I'm not uh, not not to apologize for for Kevin Smith, but I do think that this is one of those situations where just like the rest of us, when he heard about NFTs, he's like. I don't understand what you're talking about. And someone sold him on it. And he's like, that sounds, that makes sense. Let's do that. And then, you know, the picture becomes clearer for the rest of the, the world, you know, whatever. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I mean, like I just listened to a podcast that he recorded last week where he's like, this was a big week for me because uh, I did a lot of stuff, you know, and then the first thing he said was, you know, the movie Kilroy was here became the first movie you know what it was released and yeah. he said like is he saying this in, in, in like in front of the room he's like it's been a big week week for me uh, my movie Kilroy was here was the first movie to be released as an nft don't throw glasses at me <laughs> like i mean that he literally said it just like that you yeah. know and like nobody in the room applauded or anything he was just like that and then he like moved on with his story about like a really terrible photo shoot that he did you know <laughs> and it's like i really feel like he's like okay yeah that was a mistake i'm contractually obligated to release this thing in an nft now there's nothing i can do about it so let's just get through this as best we can and move on i could be wrong when he decides to release clerks for as an nft i'll be like okay <laughs> whatever but you know you read these articles and you're like okay yeah tarantino is releasing deleted scenes from pulp fiction as an nft i'm sure um, he has no he, idea what he's doing he has no idea what he's doing steven no. soderbergh is looking at it from a storytelling perspective, you know? I mean, like, all this weird stuff, and it's like, nobody knows what they're doing with this stuff. But, okay, but you bring up something I actually didn't know. What, Soderbergh is, was considering doing something with uh -huh. NFTs? Okay, but he hasn't done it yet, though. Okay. I don't think he's done it yet, but okay, he's... Good. Yeah. Okay. Because <laughs> I, I keep seeing these news stories of, like, filmmakers and, like, uh, like celebrities. Keanu Reeves is teaming up with, like, an NFT company mm -hmm. or something and that was a dark day for me so i i'm just uh, and also like we know like you know reese witherspoon like uh brie larson like uh, all these people were doing nfts and then like there's uh, i still notice like brie larson still has like an nft profile on twitter but reese witherspoon changed it back <laughs> so some people have like <laughs> yeah. you know been talked to it's like listen do you know what these are do you know how right. bad these are for humanity it's like oh okay yeah, and, sure. and of course, you know, I mean, Kevin Smith being, you know, living on social media, mm -hmm. you know, he's been, you know, taking some shit for this, of course, of course you know, yeah. he's I think he is now fully aware. I mean, like, I remember, like, when he first announced it, he's like, some people have been, uh, you know, critical of it because of, you know, it's bad for the environment. But the the mines that we're using, which I didn't even know what mining was at, <laughs> at that moment in time. I still don't really know. But he's like, the mines that we're using are actually like the environmentally friendly mines. It's like okay. the most environmental. And, and I don't know if that is a real thing that exists. I don't know. <laughs> uh, it sounds kind of like bullshit to me. But at the same time, it, you know, it was like one of those things where it's like, okay, yeah, he, I, I, really get the impression that he has no idea what he's talking about no he no. has no idea what this is you know yeah. 
and not and, that that's an excuse, but I mean, under normal circumstances in the entertainment industry, if someone comes to you with this new tech and says, "What what do you think about selling your movie or whatever, releasing your movie with this new tech?" Like, how often do you think like? Well, could this be bad for the environment? <laughs> right? I mean, like it's it's a it's a new weird concept, right? Yeah. And, and and for those who are just finding out now that NFTs are bad for the environment, congratulations. <laughs> I mean, we're we're doing a service here. Yes, they're bad for the environment. I I read a story like maybe a week or so ago, like here in Texas. Like there, we had a record-breaking June, and it's going to be 105 throughout the next you know throughout the next seven days here in Texas in Austin, and. Here comes a story saying uh, NFT, uh, I don't know what you'd call them, like miners or people who do that sort of shit. Like that went up uh, a high percentage in last year and then cut to like, you know, uh, the, the, the electricity uh, here in Austin, the, 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 the company that uh, ERCOT, like the people who are in charge of like the Texas Big Energy, like they're like on the brink of like collapse because of all this energy, energy, energy that's being wasted. The energy is being wasted because it's so fucking hot and the NFT people aren't helping things. So it's a disaster. So I'm living in a, in a dystopia here in Texas. Uh, so is the entire nation. But, <laughs> but I just see NFTs as just a terrible, terrible thing in my eyes. So, yeah. um, and, and everybody should see that. Yeah. Because it's, it's not good. And, and yeah, sure. I don't blame like these Tarantino or maybe these people who are completely unaware of like jumping into things. Considering we just had a pandemic or we're still in a pandemic where it's hard to make uh, money, you know, uh, or it was for a while, the regular way of making a movie safely. So they're like, Oh, maybe NFTs are the solution. Or, or podcasting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's either NFTs or podcasting with celebrities now. <laughs> Which um, Tarantino's doing both. Tarantino's now. doing a podcast, too. <laughs> uh, but anyway, I uh, maybe you should just cut that, all that out, Mike. Me ranting on NFTs. But <laughs> no, I mean, it's, it's, it's reasonable, you know? Yeah. Um, but in this section, and again, I'm not running the podcast, but in this section of, like, uh, my general thoughts on Kevin Smith, I, I, I want you to go back to that notion of, like, okay – Converting me, so let's let's say let's go back to that conversation we had off mic about. Okay, I, I just told you, Red State, not a fan of his other movies. After that, not a fan of, and also I just don't like his cult of personality. Like these fans that are just just there for his bidding and like him knowing what he's doing in terms of like okay, I'm selling these movies, not only movies like his merchandise to his loyal fans. It's like that I'm not a huge fan of, at least to that extent of like making an empire just built for this small group of people. I don't know. Like that, that that's my big thing with Smith too. So Mike, do you want to talk about that? Do you want to convert me on the side of like, on your side of like, talk to me about Smith and like how he handles like his, his fans and like what he does in his community. I mean, I, I think that, you know, I, I definitely see what you're saying and I see how that can be annoying, you know, yeah. and, and certainly there are numerous times on a regular basis where he does stuff where you're just like, ah, that's a little, that's a little cringy, you know, you're, that's a little self-serving, whatever it is, you know, whatever it may be. And all of that is, you know, well and good. And, and, you know, I, I think that there are a lot of filmmakers who are guilty of that. I think the difference is that he just kind of puts 
puts himself out there, you know, whereas a lot of people don't. And, you know, yeah, I mean, he's built an empire out of this thing and it's very, very niche. And I don't think he wants it to be niche. I think, you know, you'll see throughout this, uh, this, the series starting with today, you know, that mm-hmm. he's always been trying to break through the, the mainstream and he never really has been able to. And at some point in his career, he just kind of said, you know what? Why fight it? This is who I am. This is what I do. I'm making the movies that I want to make and it's for just a few people. And, you know, this is the way it goes. Um, but, you know, beyond all that, I like, I'm willing to cut him a super ton of slack on all that stuff for two reasons. One, I like his movies, which is, you know, whatever. I mean, <laughs> so, so that goes a long way. But two, more than any other filmmaker that I can think of, like, I feel like he is like a really good guy, you know? Mm-hmm. And I mean, some of that is out there in the open. A lot of it is, you know, him doing stuff like, completely, you know, uh, out of the public view and, you know, word, you know, getting out as it does about, you know, these acts of kindness or whatever that, that, that he does. And maybe, maybe I'm, you know, being too, too, too generous to him as like a human being, but every single time I've heard like a story about him or whatever, he's always like super duper gracious and willing to go out of his way for his fans or whoever and you know that's just him and i have to say i really appreciate that you know yeah see that's the thing see that's i'm sure we went into more specifics when we last talked about it but like generally i think that was what sort of turned me on him in a good way because like thinking like oh like maybe he is just i just thought of him like as like more of like that that that, the 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 red state thing didn't help because like that Mm -hmm. i thought that I thought that was him throughout, you know, from there on. Like I, th- I thought of him negatively. Like, look at this jerk. Like he's so up on himself. Like he's selling the this movie to his loyalists, and like that's what's driving him. Is like he's just only catering to like these people, and like he's he's just mooching money off them, right? But like what you brought up, like him actually being a nice guy, him having the, him doing these acts, you know, the, the, the you know the these acts of kindness. It's like yeah, you know what. Who am I to judge? <laughs> mm-hmm. Sure, like he makes, in my opinion, he makes a fool of himself on social media sometimes. <laughs> like that meme yeah. of him crying after seeing, I forget what movie it was. Um, like, it could have been any number of movies. Movie. <laughs> Pro- probably, <laughs> almost certainly, it was a Marvel movie, you know? But yeah. But yeah, but you've convinced me that he is a nice guy. And. I, I believe you uh, because like even watching like the Mallrats like bonus features right even though like I am not I guess I just say it now like I I'm I still like his movies most of his movies oh half of his movies <laughs> I like half of his movies <laughs> you like a, a movie or two of his maybe this one maybe I don't, not I don't we'll know find these, out yeah I don't know the exact number <laughs> I, I I like his movies to an extent. Um, but just hearing him talk, and I'm and on this Arrow bonus disc, I'm sorry, on this Arrow Blu-ray disc, one of the bonus features is like a a uh, interview recorded maybe two years ago, um, and yeah, he was in his typical Kevin Smith like, you know, uh, no pauses, just talk, 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 um, and that to me at times is grating, but yet when I hear him talk, like 
here, uh, uh, like on this disc, talking about Mallrats, like twenty five years later, like I, I still he I I think he comes off as a genuine guy. Um, sure, there are sometimes when I'm like, I mean, maybe he exaggerates some things, but that's just the way he is. Like that's just Kevin Smith. Um, but yeah, it, it, my my negative thoughts on him have like uh, you know have like gone away over the last few months. Actually, thanks to you and like thanks to like re- revisiting some films and like seeing more from him. You know, he's not that bad of a guy. <laughs> he hey, but that's just me talking about him as a person. As a filmmaker, that's another yeah. discussion entirely. <laughs> right, right, and that's perfectly valid. You yeah. know, I yeah, I, it, I don't know. It's just one of those things. And there's a billion stories, and you hear all sorts of stuff. Whether it's you know, the, you know, doing stuff with with Make a Wish or whatever. You know, I mean, just one example which I witnessed firsthand. You know, years and years ago, this would have been like '98 or something like that. First ever comic book convention that I saw him at first ever time I saw him in person he was doing a signing in in Chicago and he was supposed to sign for an hour and of course the line is going down the freaking block right and I somehow ended up at the end of it and he sat there for three hours you know just I took one break to go have a cigarette, mm-hmm. came back, and just for three hours, just signed until every single person got their autograph, you know? Yeah. Yeah. He didn't need to do that. I mean, that he wasn't charging. He wasn't doing anything like that. He was just signing people's DVDs and stuff just because he appreciated his fans. Yeah. And, I, you know, that, that really says a lot to me. Oh yeah, yeah. And <laughs> I don't know if I should pay. I don't know if I should be telling this story. No, I should because I was okay. In comparison, speaking of yes. Tarantino, uh-huh. um, and now I had somebody who was like kind of on the same level as Kevin Smith, Robert Rodriguez. Um, mm-hmm. I was at South by Southwest, 2010. Um, me and my friend, we we were going to go to this panel with Rodriguez and Tarantino, like Saturday morning, let's say 11 a.m. Uh, we got in line like 9 a.m. because we knew it was going to be, you know, a, a, a hard panel to get into. Uh, by like 11, let's say 10:55, like nothing was happening in the line, no movement. We go, what's going on? Then they made an announcement: Quentin Tarantino, Robert Rodriguez are not going to make it. <laughs> and I go, what? So it ha- it just so happened that the night before, they were honored at the Austin Film Society. Like, they got awarded an award. And apparently, they drank so much that they just were just way too hungover to do a panel. I never forgot that. It's been 12 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm sure Kevin Smith w- would have shown up to that panel. <laughs> yeah, he would have yeah, been there. Kevin Smith would have been there. Tarantino, Rodriguez, mm-hmm. they didn't give Not a so fuck. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I, 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 I completely get Kevin Smith being a good guy. He is, from the sounds of it, he is a good guy. So I, I applaud him for that. You know, he, he's not using his power for evil. Um, <laughs> unless you call yeah. bad filmmaking evil, which we'll talk about later. Yeah. <laughs> or, yeah. or actually, okay, maybe I should bring this up now. Filmmaking-wise, I did see Jane Silent Bob reboot this morning. Oh, okay. Um, and I don't know, this, uh, this goes into a conversation. I think you and I have had this conversation about Rodriguez before where I personally don't think he's grown as a filmmaker. Rodriguez has, I have to say the same thing about Smith. I don't think he's grown as grown as a filmmaker at all. <laughs> seeing mm-hmm. James on Bob reboot and also seeing Mallrats in the same day. 
I just, I just, uh, again, we'll talk about it when we talk about Mallrats too, but I wish he was better. <laughs> I went, you know, I, I, I wish he had chosen the, the path where he's just a writer, like, and not a director. Although the writing in Jane Silent Bob reboot, not the best either, <laughs> but he does have that strength in, 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 in his scripts that is there. I will say Jane Silent Bob reboot by the end. It was a little emotional. Like by the end, it did kind of save itself. Not really, but there's there was some good stuff in Jason Bob reboot in the end, which I think is his strength. Like he knows how to get to a heart of something emotionally because he's lived through it now. He's had a heart attack. He he's had kids. He's had a career that has you know its ups and downs, and he does have a lot of that you know of himself in reboot, sometimes literally. But as a filmmaker, Jesus Christ, he's not good. I don't think he's good. <laughs> Uh, I, yeah, I mean, I think there are there are ebbs and flows. I think there are things which he's good at and things which he is not. You know, I think that his career has had some ups and downs. Um, I won't give away my thoughts on <laughs> reboot at this particular moment in time. But um, yeah, I mean, th- th- I, I know what you're talking about. I know what you're talking about. Um, I. I feel like there's some times where he retreats back to the familiar yeah. um, just because he knows it's, it's safe uh, because it seems like every time he's tried to branch out, whether rightly or wrongly, he's kind of gotten burned by it, you know? Yeah. So I get that. But, yeah. uh, you know, I mean, we have seen him branch out even as recently. I mean, it's, it's weird to think of this as branching out given his personality. But when you look at his filmography, like masters of the universe, which you know, if you look at Rotten Tomatoes, is like the most acclaimed thing he's ever made. You know, uh, it's pretty crazy to think that that's by the guy who did Clerks. You know, I, I will say, like, I have no desire to see it, not because of Smith, but because I have no emotion toward. I have, I have no feelings toward the He-Man stuff. Yeah. So I, but hey, if if apparently it's good, maybe I should give it a shot because it, it, it's an animated show, right? Yeah, it's an animated, it's animated show. Okay. Yeah, and it's it's a sequel to the original tra- He-Man series. Oh, uh, okay. That's it's, it's good to know. Again, I never saw the original series. Have no no desire really to you know jump into the He-Man universe. Although, yeah. if it's good, I might watch it. Um, but yeah, so I, I guess my general lesson, you know, not to just bash on James on the Bob reboot because yeah. we'll see what happens on your episode when you do it. But it just it just shows me again what I've already known. After seeing Tusk, sorry, Red State, Tusk, uh, Yoga Hosers, uh, and now Reboot, just the last, the, those four movies just are not good in my book. Um, okay. But yeah, that's how I feel of, uh, about Kevin Smith. Like, through Zack and Mary Make a Porno, I was like, on board. And then after that, as a filmmaker, yeah. Uh, not great. I and and hey, Clerks three. I hope it's good. For the love of God, I <laughs> hope it's good. You and I, Mike, had a conversation before this where I was like, "Hey, I might, you know." And I did look at plane tickets, so it might not happen. I I was thinking of like maybe I could go to New Jersey, you know, buy a fifty dollar ticket uh, for the Clerks three world premiere, uh, and maybe have a good time. Maybe, uh. But I mean, it's it's a lot considering I saw a very bad Kevin Smith movie this morning reboot, and you know, revisiting Mallrats and just thinking, huh, I like 
old Kevin Smith. <laughs> I don't like new Kevin Smith, and I worry what Clerks 3 is going to be, because is it going to be him going back to his roots? Is it him, you know, not doing that and just doing what he's do- been doing the last however many years? I don't know. So Clerks 3, I'm excited for. So much so that I'm thinking about going to New Jersey for the world premiere, but also I'm worried. So that's where I am with Clerks 3. Oh, man. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> I'm all on board with Clerks 3. They haven't announced a tour date for Chicago yet, which means it's probably going to be in October. Uh, it definitely won't be before the uh, Fathom event. So I'm going oh, yeah. to the to the Fathom event, which I'm like, God, where do I go? Do I go to this theater? I think it's going to be good. Is it not? Is it going to be the DCP? Is it going to be the Dish Network thing? And what are they going to do? Oh, yeah. yeah, it's- yeah. That's, that's, that was a controversy that uh, came up recently, the, the Fathom Events DCP thing. Like, what was it for the thing? Because yeah. um, I, I was going to message you, and I think we brought it we brought it up in the TFS Discord, but like, <laughs> you, you've been bringing that up for years now, whether like a Fathom <laughs> yes. Event is a DCP or like a satellite uplink or something. Yeah. It's like, that was a big controversy. I, th- this is good to know for Smith heads who are heading to the fathom event clerks three thing. Yeah. Like fathom events. And you know more about this. Maybe you should talk about this. Mike, talk about this. <laughs> well, there's two distribution methods for fathom events. There's DCP, which is like the standard uh, format, which is used for every movie theater across the country these days. And then there's also essentially like, a dish network feed like the same dish network that you have at your house or at least that i did for years and uh you what the theaters do is essentially they get a broadcast of whatever it is they're going to be showing they record it to a dvr and then they play back the recording of the dvr i believe in 1080i which I can't believe that wouldn't have been upgraded at this point. Maybe it has. I don't know for sure. And then that's what you're seeing. And that's why, you know, like whoever it was, some writer or something like that who saw the thing, you know, was complaining because it looked terrible. Also, it was in the wrong aspect ratio, which also isn't a new thing. They did that for Apollo 13 a couple of years ago. Oh, yeah. Um, And, you know, that's just a thing that sometimes they do. I don't know why. I don't know who makes those decisions. But it's always sort of this thing where it's like, oh, God. I mean, like... I see a poster for Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, right behind your head right there. Yeah. And on your birthday, they're going to be showing that as a Fathom event. Yeah, September 8th. Yeah, and Paramount is usually very good about releasing these things as DCPs, but this is in association with Turner Classic Movies, and they put the Ben Mankiewicz things in front of it, and 99%, if not 100% of the time, those are the satellite things. So I'm very curious whether or not that's going to be the case here, because I would totally pay you know $13 to see Wrath of Khan in 4K on the big screen not so much in 1080i or whatever it is you know and by the way it should be noted Mike doesn't know my birthday just because he knows my birthday it's because I have the same birthday as Star Trek so yes. <laughs> that's why Mike knows it <laughs> that's why you're the only person whose birthday I know <laughs> thank you um, I, I am lucky to live in Austin because in Austin they are showing Wrath of Khan not as a Fathom event but at the Animal oh. Draft House oh, they're nice. also doing a screening of 2, 3, and 4 uh, that trilogy on a Sunday in a few weeks. So I'm no, excited. That's, nice. that's going to be one of the first times ever then that three has been shown as a DCP. 
Oh yeah, oh, I, yeah. I, I, I mean, they they just made those, yeah, along with that's four, awesome. So. Yeah, I, I need to buy that ticket after we record. I keep meaning mm-hmm. to buy it, but yeah, I'm excited to see those three in the theater. Uh, I forget what they're called. It's like the something trilogy, right? The it, it's. I mean, I call it the bullshit trilogy because <laughs> clearly it's not a trilogy. <laughs> it's just uh, everyone's like, this is a great trilogy. No, no. It's not for numerous reasons. One, they never planned it. Two, it's dumb. Like you have the first one, which is supposed to be the end. Then you have the second one where they fuck it up. And then you have the third one where they're like, well, I guess we can make a good movie again now. So, yeah, in that sense, it's a trilogy. Uh, In any other sense, it's not. By the way, they call it. So you, you have to you have to send this message. You have to write this email and send it to the draft house because the draft house has it as the Genesis, the Genesis trilogy. Genesis trilogy. The Genesis yes, trilogy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I fully support them showing as many Star Trek movies as they can on the big screen, and it's not their fault that the world has has <laughs> ruined it by calling this a trilogy. But it's not. I'm also, sorry. Also, by the way, you're welcome, folks. This is now a Star Trek podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Everything is sooner Everything or later. Is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, hey, mall rats. We should have mall rats yes. eventually. <laughs> mall rats. All right. So this is Kevin Smith's second movie. It came out in October of 1995, almost exactly one year, I think, to the week that uh, Clerks was released. I mean, man, this thing got rolling fast. But, um, yeah, it came and it went very very quickly like in record time record time i mean you know there's a general rule in the industry where like if a movie comes out it's got to play for at least two weeks even if it's the worst thing imaginable i'm pretty sure that this is one of those cases that happens maybe once or twice a year where a movie came out and was gone in one week (laughs) because it's so bad that, you know, whoever's releasing it is like, I take pity on you. You don't have to show it for a second week since literally nobody is coming to see it. Um, So I guess let's start at the beginning here. Um, When did you first see Mallrats? It was around the time when I really got into Smith and discovered Clark's uh, dogma, Chasing Amy, uh, and then Mallrats. I rented, I think, all of these from my local Hastings uh, rental shop, which is now closed. Um, but yeah, it, of those I just mentioned, like Mallrats was always like the, the one on the bottom for me. And that's how I felt the first time I watched it. And this had to be like around the time maybe Dogma came out. So what, like 2000, 2001? Um, 99. Yeah, 99. Uh, uh, when did uh, Strike Back come out? Was that 2000? Uh, 2001. Yeah, so it had to be around 2000, 2001. It's like after Dogma came out. I knew, I was like, oh, I'm on Smith now. Um, but yeah, I, it was one I never revisited. I saw it once. I was eager to see it again now. And this podcast has pushed me to buy... The aforementioned Arrow Blu-ray, which I This is very good, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Which, yeah, you know what? I'll say off the bat, if... Also, I'll say say two things off the bat. One, the master on it is amazing. Yes. It looks spectacular. Yeah, the the, the, the remaster. Even Smith himself says it's better than it's ever looked, which he's right about. Uh, Because, like, it looks as good as like any modern day movie really it's it's that great of a master and also the sound is great too i I don't know what they did but like it it's 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 a really great 
presentation, top to bottom. Um, but I also say, uh, for those who want like the extended edition, make sure you buy the two disc version. <laughs> Because I knew there was a two-disc version, but I was dumb enough to pick up the first copy I saw at Barnes & Noble. I was like, oh, yeah, here it is. I got the one-disc version that only has the theatrical uh, uh, edition on it, which is it's not bad uh, to have just a theatrical edition because like, it has a lot of bonus features on the disc. But if you want the extended edition and, and like the TV cut, get the two-disc Arrow Blu-ray. So there yeah. you go. Fair one. Both, both the extended edition and the TV cut are fun uh, oddities, but they're not essential viewing. They're not the definitive cuts or anything like that. The extended edition is a very interesting thing, which could have been amazing, but in the end, is just kind of dumb. Yeah, and, and me as a you know quote unquote collector, or I guess a hoarder at this point of movies, it does bug me that like I picked up the wrong version, and it'll bug yeah. me until the day I die. <laughs> um, and I might eventually just buy the two disc edition just because. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. But anyway, uh, and then, yeah, I saw it, what, like, let's say 20 years ago, maybe, uh, Mallrats, and now seeing it again, I'm like, yeah, this is maybe, it's it's still, I was saying before, j- just my just quick take on seeing it again, this is the Kim Smith I miss. Um, and, like, it's it's weird to say, but, like, I don't think we're ever going to see this version again, because... You know, Clerks, Mallrats, Chasing Amy, even, yeah, I'd say I put Dogma in there too. It's made by a filmmaker early on, early on in his career who was like comfortable sort of like pushing himself um, and like enough where he's like, he's still in his comfort zone, but he's still like excelling there. Um, especially with like Clerks and like Chasing Amy and Dogma. This one may be on the bottom of those, uh, maybe bottom... Uh, maybe you know fourth on that list for me but still like very much like he 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 has that sort of confidence and at this point like the money and like the casting like all of it is working for him he's making it work it's not necessarily like the best he's done but it's like that's like this is what i want from him it's like i wish it's impossible for him to do this again because like he's not that filmmaker anymore, <laughs> like that th- that in him is gone. I think, but it's nice just to revisit and like see. Yes, that's the filmmaker I loved back in the day, and like I I did enjoy my rewatch of Mallrats. That's just my basic overall thoughts on it. Okay. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I uh. I, I first saw this movie the day that it came out on home video because, um, as as chronicled in the last episode, like I saw, uh, Clerks essentially like right after this had left theaters. You know, it was really like just a few weeks, and 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 I remember having worked in a comic book store at that particular moment in time, like seeing the ads on the back of like every single comic with the magic eye poster and everything like that. And thinking like, okay, I don't understand what this is, you know? And, and the thing which is really strange to me is still to this day, you know, but it was at the time as well is, you know, working in a comic book store now all of a sudden because there's not really much geek stuff aside from that star wars conversation in clerks right everything else i mean no you know and and yet kevin smith was sort of like a staple of that comic culture already and you know looking at uh you know what this movie is about i'm shocked that there wasn't um 
I'm shocked that the people that I worked with at the comic book store did not embrace it upon its original release. Because as I said, like last time, everybody who worked at that comic book store went to see the first movie when it came out. They were all huge fans of Clerks. And yet the word of mouth on this and the ads and everything were so bad that even the diehard Clerks fans were like, I'm not going to go see that. The diehard Clerks fans who worked in a comic book store were not going to see his movie about comic book culture and they really just wrote it off as like that's garbage it's so bad i'm not even going to bother watching it and you know i didn't go to see it in the theater because for one thing i was 15 and probably couldn't get in but also didn't have any connection to kevin smith at all until a few weeks later and after seeing clerks and becoming obsessed with that movie i had to wait until like march of that year to finally see this thing when it came out on video and i was there when the video store opened the day that this thing came out to rent my copy and i immediately took it home and watched it i could not wait and i thought it was amazing it was one of the first times in my life where after hearing like all of this negative press about a movie I watched it and judged for myself that it was good that the critics were wrong you know and I'm like what am I missing why why do I not understand why people hate this movie I like it you know and and it took me a while to sort of like bring my friends around on it um, and and get them to actually watch it, and they weren't through the through the roof on it. But it, it was like a, a a big a big deal to me in that regard, and it sort of cemented the fact that I was not a Clerks fan, but I very much was a Kevin Smith fan, and I could not wait to see his next movie or anything like that. It was hugely influential on me, um, and and it was cool to see that stuff on the big screen, all those conversations that I had had with my friends, like up there on the big screen. It's, it's cool. Yeah. It was, it was, um, great to see, uh, the Kevin Smith interview where he just, uh, it was recorded like what in like 2020 on the arrow Blu-ray. Um, it's like a 30 minute conversation he has with himself, which is, I mean, that's, that's, that's what <laughs> standard. it is. Standard. Yeah. yeah. Standard. Um, but he's right when he says, like people eventually caught on to Mallrats. The culture caught on to Mallrats. Like that's the culture now is Mallrats. And like a point you said earlier about him sort of going back to his safe place, usually like him trying to break out, but failing. Like this is the first example of that, right? Where he did joke like he immediately wanted to disown Mallrats after it bombed because it did bomb pretty bad. Uh, yeah. And I, I, you know what? I don't blame him for just, just having that reaction. Who wouldn't? Like after the, the his first movie being critically acclaimed, huge, like huge box office hit, his second movie just shitting the bed so hard. Of course, I, I'd probably do the same thing. I'd be like, oh yeah, fuck Mallrats. And yeah. then he said it wasn't until like 10 years later where people started watching it more. And like, it's, it, it's because of the internet. He says the internet, beca- like the, the internet culture and which eventually became what it is now. And like the MCU, um, he was ahead of the game with all that <laughs> having Stan Lee, uh, like for two scenes. It's like, yeah, like it, it it's, it's a prophetic movie. Like he, he made something that's really stood the test of time. I think I'm sure some of the dialogue in this 
hasn't aged well. Like what's like what comedy is you know going to age perfectly? Uh, yeah, it's comedy. It it always changes, but it it was great to see it again and like have it be sort of timeless. Like okay, forget that it's in a mall. Malls are dying. Whatever. <laughs> um, but the conversations in it about comic books, especially like the Stanley stuff. Um, like the relationship stuff, like the, all that is still like relevant and good. And uh, he was right. Like it just took time for society to catch up with Mallrats and eventually did, which I think is a, it's good. I, I'm happy that that it happened. I'm happy that uh, I'm happy that um, it gives me hope that other box office bombs eventually, you know, get the recognition it deserves. Um, Scott Pergram being one of them that did get the recognition it deserves 10 years later. So it does happen. So that's good. Yeah, yeah, and and it's weird, you know, looking at it now too, because uh, at the time, you know, the perception was like, okay, Kevin Smith, you know, indie darling, you know, could do no wrong, whatever, with his little grungy black and white movie that he, you know, scraped up enough money to to make, and now he's hit the big time, and he's given like literally millions of dollars and he falls flat on his face because he doesn't really know what he's doing and you know chasing amy being the return to his indie roots right and that's where like he strives or whatever it's it's a bizarre concept especially looking at like today's movie landscape because it's not like i mean if if this were to happen in the modern day, he would make clerks, it would be a huge success, and then he would get something like Ant-Man, you know, a <laughs> yeah. Marvel movie <laughs> yeah. or whatever. But instead, what he made with his, you know, millions or whatever for a big studio was really basically just clerks in a mall, right? And, yeah, that, that's what he pitched to Universal, uh, yeah. And like the, the, the executive, it's like, well, he, he uh, I forget the producer's name, but he goes to the producer and he goes, oh, the producer asks him, what are you going to do next after Clerks? And he goes, well, I got this idea for Clerks in the mall. And the producer goes, that's perfect. Let's go pitch it to Universal. <laughs> yeah. Smith just pitched that Universal, Clerks in the mall. And they go, perfect. Here's the green light. Here's the money. Right. And it, 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 that's what it is. And I think it works. It's like that aesthetic of these you know the you know just two friends hanging out dealing with life stuff and like crazy antics happening around them some of this stuff reminded me of like the stuff that happened or not reminded but not reminded me but like it's a good precursor to like Clerks the animated show which mm-hmm. I, I don't think i mentioned at all yet but that may be my favorite kevin smith thing is the Clerks animated show yeah um but it had moments in it this mall rats had moments in it it's like yeah that's this is basically like a live action cartoon and I love it when Smith does that and it works. <laughs> and here mm-hmm. it happens a lot where like people are like getting into fights and like silent Bob's like flying through the air. And it's like, sure. That is more, that's where the money went in those antics on screen. But beyond that, it is essentially like, yeah, clerks in a, in a mall and it works like that's it's Smith in his wheelhouse with a bit more money, but I don't know. It, it, it does play. It, it again. It's it's something I miss from his like modern day movies. Like it's there's not enough of that there than what we see here. I, I definitely see how how you know things have changed a bit. You know, and maybe maybe what has changed is you know now he's like I know how to do this with without much money. You know, and and finding that kind of like sweet spot for him where it's like 
low risk from a financial standpoint so that he can do, you know, take chances instead of spending, you know, $5 million to to make this movie, which, you know, is going to bomb. But uh, I, I mean, I do think that it does work uh, really well. I mean, I, you know, I, I love it. I, I absolutely love it. But I mean, looking at it, you know, sort of critically and through, you know, uh, in, in hindsight, like, I do think that it does work just as well as Clerks in, in a lot of ways. Um, I, I can see like a few missteps and a few, you know, things being a little too cartoony, mm-hmm. you know, let's say. But, um, you know, the, the interesting thing I think... Uh, about this movie in regards to clerks is it's like clerks feels like it fits in with its budget, you know, like, like from a, like, like the amateurish nature of clerks, you almost like forgive. Whereas like here, there's some stuff where it's like, man, when it's amplified on this scale, like you can see what people would talk about, especially early on in his career, where it's like he doesn't know how to shoot a movie or whatever, and it's like you you well, really feel that here more than Clerks, at least to me. You know, to me, I didn't really get that feeling because, like, okay. I think it it reached. I I, I know what we're talking about by the way, and I can point to you several scenes in Dogma where that's the case. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love Dogma to death. Don't get me wrong, but in Dogma, you clearly see Smith. As a filmmaker, as a director in particular, like struggling, yeah. um, and he says it so himself in the commentary too, uh, of Dogma. But here, I don't know. It doesn't get to that point for me. Like to me, what doesn't work is like maybe some character moments, maybe some dialogue. There's some like stiffness there. There's some awkwardness there. But in terms of like as a filmmaker, I d- I did keep an eye on him as a filmmaker, as a director on this one. I'm like. Is is he a good filmmaker here? I think he is. Like there, uh, yeah. I guess that's that, that's my point. It's like even like the um, the zany parts, the cartoonish parts, where like Silent Bob is like uh, ha- is like getting the the tape from the VCR and like using the force. It's like some of that is kind of you know not as well put together you know as as it should be because it's just a basic like little action stunt. But it still works for me. I don't know. It it it, it, it for me it doesn't hit the uh the point where i'm just like embarrassed for him <laughs> like i am like i said in moments in dogma and also later on in his career i think it's he he's he's perfectly fine and there there's like one moment in this movie where it's like a single shot like camera following you know these characters through like a hallway or something and i'm like oh that's the most creative shot i've ever seen kevin smith do in a movie and i wanted more of that but even that shot felt kind of like you know, maybe take another pass, Smith. I know what you're trying to do here, like following these characters as they talk, sort of like Aaron Sorkin-esque, like West Wing-esque. But yeah, I can see why he doesn't take those chances because I don't. I think he doubts himself, and maybe rightfully so. But yeah, as a filmmaker, I think he does a perfectly decent job here. Yeah, you know, I mean, the other weird thing about it, I guess, just from a filmmaking perspective, is that. Um, because of the circumstances, because he was a second-time filmmaker but a first-time filmmaker on a a massive studio production, uh, the studio didn't trust him to do anything, right? So like all of his other movies, he's got 
you know, uh, his own sort of like team behind the scenes and he edits them himself, you know, along with his producer, Scott Mosier and everything. And for this one, the studio was like, no, no, no. You know, we're bringing in a real editor. We're bringing in, you know, a real, uh, uh, composer, you know, things like that. And, um, in the end, I think what we have is something which is not 100% Smith, which is why that extended cut is so fascinating. I remember when they first announced that they were going to do this. It wasn't going to be an extended cut. What it was going to be, somehow, God, he, he, he I mean, Zack Snyder, eat your heart out, whatever. <laughs> way, way back before that, Kevin Smith somehow convinced the studio to give him all of the dailies for Mallrats so wow. that he could go back and re-edit the movie from scratch himself as he would have if he were editing the movie back in 1995. See, now you're making me want to buy this two-disc arrow thing now. <laughs> well, well, but but here's the thing that happened. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's bad? Uh, no. Oh, okay. He, he got about five ten minutes into it and he's like yeah this is basically the same movie like maybe i would have used a different take on this one maybe i wouldn't have and basically he's like this is kind of a boring waste of time so (laughs) jesus christ (laughs) so he went to his producer scott Mosier, his co-editor and he's like could you just finish it up and maybe just like put in you know whatever weird alternate jokes there are and like all of the scenes that we cut out and then it'll just be an extended edition and Mosher is like fine whatever just give it to me and I'll do it and that extended cut is not the Kevin Smith cut it is a Scott Mosher cut which is basically like let's put everything into it and it's just that oh boy and and the theatrical cut is the director's cut because basically Smith was like it's not worth re-editing this entire thing because the end result will basically be the exact same movie yeah and to me that's not a bad thing like to me it's uh although i i I can sense you think well okay let me ask you directly like do you think if he had his crew and he was in more control do you think it would have been a better movie i think it would have been a bit rougher um, in a good way, you know, I okay. think it would have been like, I, I think the score would have been completely different. And I think, um, some of the jokes would have been a little, um, edgier. Yeah. You know, that, you know, that is something, although this movie is pretty edgy as it stands. Like, it it, is. like yeah. the, 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 the thing that's always stuck with me through the years thinking about is like the pretzel stuff the chocolate mm-hmm. pretzel stuff it's still as graphic and horrifying as <laughs> when i first saw it yeah um but yeah you know thinking about it it's it's definitely not as um you know in quotes obscene as a like clerks uh i think one of the producers told smith like uh he was like oh yeah uh in a in a in a studio movie in a uni- in a universal movie nobody's gonna have sex with a corpse like that's never gonna happen mm-hmm. so who knows what would have happened in the Mallrats script if, like, if he had more control over what was going on rather than have this be like, yeah, studio movie. Um, but no, I, well, I, I uh, oh, oh, here's the thing I was going to ask you. So when did he get the go ahead to like do that Kevin Smith edit that he abandoned? Was it before or after he started smoking pot? <laughs> it was before. 
Okay, okay. Um, I, I think it was released for the uh, 10th anniversary DVD. Uh, okay, yeah. So because I believe it was you, Mike, who brought up the fact that... Or I forget who it was. It might have been you. Who else, who else could it have been that I talked about <laughs> Kevin Smith about ex- extensively? Uh, maybe maybe Marcus Serving brought it up. He's also a fan. But uh, uh, didn't his like whole persona or like the way of thinking change after he started smoking pot mike yeah definitely yeah. i yeah. mean the demarcation point is is zach and miri make a porno i mean <laughs> which, I, which makes a lot of sense <laughs> for yeah, me. that was that, that was the, the last one and cop out being the first one in the uh in the post era you know oh god i completely forgot about cop out i actually tried to watch cop out after uh james on bob reboot uh this morning and i tapped out of cop out i did not finish cop out that's that's the only one no that and uh jersey girl are the only two i haven't seen now with smith oh well now it's the perfect time to watch jersey I should, girl because I, the oh, stars just got married yeah yeah today. yeah uh, yeah we're, we're gonna timestamp this episode yeah <laughs> the day j-lo uh and and ben uh ben fleck <laughs> Got together, Benifer. Yeah, the original, the original uh, combo name. Oh, they got married I today. I, I, I believe Kevin Smith came up with. So there you really? go. Really? Wow! Yeah. So happy for for that couple. Honestly, I mean, I'm, uh, sometimes I sound like I'm, I'm a sarcastic prick, but I'm very happy that uh, Jennifer and Ben are together now, uh, mm. married. That's fun. Um, what was my point? Oh, okay. Yeah, the 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 demarcation point of him being a stoner. I don't. I mean, I don't blame the guy. I mean, it's, uh, hey, look at me. I became a stoner over the last few years, but uh, him is a. <laughs> it's funny thinking that that may, that may, that may be the reason for me anyway. Uh, the way I see his movies and him as a person, it's like that. Zach and Mary for me. That's the that's the line right there. It's like after that, I can't call myself like as as huge of a Smith guy. But yeah, it, it, it it's it's a funny thing to bring up because. Um, yeah, he's very upfront about it, isn't he? Like, yeah. It's, oh, yeah. Start smoking pot, and now I do things differently. I'm a new yeah. person now. Uh, but hey, he was not a pothead when he did this movie because uh, it's actually good. <laughs> <laughs> I know I, 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 I do like this movie. It's already interrupted you, Mike. But yeah, I mean, uh, uh, again, it another reason why we'll probably never see. At least in my eyes, like a movie like Mallrats again, it's like uh, he's just going to keep doing what he's doing. And uh, I, don't, I think he's pretty much a pothead stoner now, so he's never going to change that. Probably not. Probably not. And I think that he's – well, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that, uh, you know, as, he, as we uh – as, as we move through his filmography, you know, I mean, there is definitely a shift. And um, while, while I don't necessarily like his movies as much as I did back then, I do, um, I do think that his philosophy of like, I'm going to make movies for me. And if people like them, cool is uh, admirable, you know? Yeah. No, um, I, it, that's a good word. Admirable. I respect him for doing that. Yeah. I can't and, say I enjoy it, but I respect it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but but regardless, with with Mall Rats, um, I, I do think that I mean it's certainly a movie which has um, uh, I think come to be appreciated a lot more as as time has progressed. I, I 
never understood the hatred for it. And certainly I had, you know, friends and, and new pockets of people who, who did enjoy it, uh, even back then. Um, but it just took a while for, uh, the rest of the world to catch on. But I think uh, they finally did, which is, which is cool. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm very happy, uh, cause he seems generally thrilled, uh, Smith on the arrow Blu-ray stuff. Um, because uh, he has an intro to the theatrical version, and he has a thirty-minute conversation with himself, and he has like another—he he talks a lot, but yeah. he does bring up like, "Oh, it's great that Arrow is releasing this," and I do think he does think it's generally great because Arrow, fantastic company, and to have it like in that library of like other great films that have been like restored and like appreciated now, it's like that's amazing, yeah. And that got me thinking, it's like, hey, get get chasing Amy back in the Criterion collection. You know, yeah. get get that back in there, um, because he he does deserve that credit. He does deserve to have his earlier films for sure. Like have this like re, like um, reevaluate uh, reevaluation, re, your resurgence, like re examination, because um, he excellent. You know, a track record there for for the longest time. Um, and yeah, I, I'm happy. There's it's come back 25 years now since it's released. Like, yeah, Marats is not the box office bomb that it was before. Yeah, definitely. Definitely not. Um, I guess just the one other, what if the interesting thing is what happens if this movie is the huge success that uh, everybody uh, thought it would be. I mean, at the end uh, uh, of the the movie, it does say Jay and Silent Bob will return in Chasing Amy, right? So, I mean, that movie was, uh, you know, percolating. If if memory serves, the original concept for it was uh, very different. Um, I think maybe more in line with Mallrats than than what it ended up becoming. Uh, but I mean, what does Chasing Amy look like as a big studio production? I honestly don't know, but uh, it would be yeah. weird. It, uh, what's What's amazing about this movie? It's something we haven't really touched on. I want to touch on before we wrap up is like the cast, like mm-hmm. the, the like Jason Lee, Ben Affleck. Shannon Doherty. I'm just running through the cast. Um, Ethan Suplee even showing up. Like, all, like Michael Worker. Like, this cast yeah. is amazing. And I'm glad that even after this, if, after Mallrats, you know, died on the vein at the box office, he still got, like, Affleck, you know, <laughs> Jason Lee. Um, and, you know, uh, the, you know the, the, some other members of the cast back for Chasing Amy, which I'm happy about. They're like, hey... Who cares if it bombed? Because I mean, uh, what? Well, you're shaking your head, Mike. That's not how it went down at <laughs> Tell all. Tell me how you it know? went. Tell me well, how it. I mean, I, I mean, keep in mind, like this is the first time I had ever heard of Ben Affleck, you know, or seen him in a movie or anything like that. Is how mm-hmm. all of these people didn't know who any of them were, right? And now Affleck is Affleck, right? But back yeah. then he was the guy from Mallrats, you know. But yes, I mean, spoilers for Chasing Amy. But basically, the way it went down is he went to Miramax and he's like, "I want to make this movie." and I want to make it with Joey Lauren Adams, Jason Lee, and Ben Affleck. And Miramax was like, we're down with Chasing Amy, but we're interested in making star vehicles right now, and we want it to be Drew Barrymore, David (laughs) Schwimmer, and Jon Stewart. And he's like, that's not the movie I want to make. Can I make it with these people? And they're like, no. And he's like, what if I made it for $200,000? And they're like, yes. (laughs) And then (laughs) Chasing Amy was born. See, it's good that you brought that up because like in my perception, 
like Ben Affleck at this point after Mallrats is like doing what like like uh, uh, Goodwill Hunting, right? No, no, not yet. He's, he's he's doing Chasing Amy and uh, sorry just to get into more history or whatever, but Chasing Amy while he was shooting Chasing Amy, um, that's when the rights to um, d- you know. Uh, Goodwill Hunting were completely up in the air, and one oh. day when they were on set, he was all bummed out. And Smith is like, "Why?" And he's like, "Oh, my movie, you know, it's not." Gonna, and he's like, "Give me the script. Let me read it." Uh-huh. And he he read it and he cried, and yeah. then he went to Miramax and said, "You need to buy this right now." And then they did, and okay. that's why Kevin Smith is an executive producer on. Goodwill See hunting. this, I never knew. Also, I've never seen Goodwill Hunting. So, oh no, no, I've never oh, seen come it. up to Chicago in September. We're showing it for the 25th anniversary. It'll be fun. Oh, might as well. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, I'm as going, long as you're coming up, to- <laughs> I'm going to New Jersey in September too. Yeah, <laughs> apparently, I'll just go anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> well, 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 see, okay, and you'll talk more about it in the Chasing Amy episode. But in my sure. head, I thought. It's like God, Jason Lee, Ben Affleck, Joey Lauren Adams, like they're stars. Like uh, t- to my point, the casting is amazing in this, yeah. and, and 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 they do talk about the casting in the in the special features. How the casting director is the same as the one from Fast Times of Ridgemont High, and Days to Confused, yeah. and um, of course, like Affleck was a Days to Confused, and then this. And I'm like, and yeah. Joey Lauren Adams was and Joey Lauren Adams too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So like, they're and all Ethan like, Suplia too. I think. Yeah, Ethan, yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe, yeah. Which is funny considering you know why Kevin Smith wanted to be a filmmaker is after seeing what uh, um, that Richard Linklater movie Slacker. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, yeah. To me, I'm glad you brought that up because like in my head, I'm like, oh, these guys are stars already. It's like they're going to do whatever they want. But no, <laughs> the, the most famous one was Jason Lee because he had a skateboarding career. That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, retired yeah. at that point, apparently, because uh, somebody brought that up to Smith. It's like, oh yeah, we're going to bring in Jason Lee, a retired skateboarder, and Smith is like, retired? What? And like Jason Lee comes in, so yeah, I've been retired, doing it for eight years, getting paid for it, but now I want to be an actor. That's what Jason Lee said. Yeah. It's like, okay, yeah, I, th- I think he made the right move there for a while. <laughs> it worked, worked out for him. Yeah. I mean, of course, Shannon Doherty was was a star. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Shannon she, Doherty was she a was, star. She was the star, and and then just the other like alt casting, which you know always blows my mind is you know the studio not exactly um confident in the skills of jason muse as an actor (laughs) yeah so waiting in the wings were i mean there's various stories but basically seth green and brecken meyer were on call yeah to come in to to play jay at a moment's notice so Uh, smith told that story about how they had pizza parties in quotes where the casting people would bring in like every person up for every role basically in the movie <laughs> and would have them like alternatively alternatively like play themselves like play the characters they want to play and like other characters so at one point you'd had like maybe Jason Muse playing against like Seth Green um, but like Seth Green's playing Jason Muse's parts. <laughs> so Seth Green is like, I'm acting against somebody who should have the role. <laughs> who should, who is this character? And, but yeah, it's, uh, apparently they, they actually had a, had a miserable time in the casting of this, but yeah, I, I heard that story. Smith said it on the bonus feature. Say it. Yeah. Seth Green was like this close to being, uh, in that role, which is wild considering, like uh, again, like J- Jason Mewes is like one of my favorite parts of like any Smith movie he's in. Like he, yeah. I, I love him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he's great. He's great. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I love the what ifs of of all the the Kevin Smith movie. Well, every movie really, but you know, <laughs> Kevin Smith movies in particular. But yeah, 
Yeah. So, all right. So, mall rats. Any final thoughts on mall rats? Well, um, I mean, I think I said everything I need to say about mall rats. Um, I, again, I'll just reiterate. I do miss this old Kevin Smith, but it's gonna be hard to ever go back to this Kevin Smith if he, again, if he if he decides if he decides to do or if he ever ends up doing, you know, the sequel to Mall Rats, it definitely won't be on this level. It'll be some weird new thing. Um, uh, I, I, yeah, I, I'll say. Ask me how I think about a sequel to Mallrats after I see Clerks Three. Okay. <laughs> I want to see. I want to see this Kevin Smith do a legacy sequel like Clerks Three, and and if Clerks Three ends up being great, I would love to see a Mallrats too. Um, but yeah, I, again, uh, it's his sophomore slump. In quotes, but it's still like very much Smith. He it's uh, there's so much of him in it still, even though yes, there's like studio meddling and like all that money's there, but it it takes me back. I I, I did enjoy this revisit, and now um, you've convinced me I do need to get that uh, two disc Arrow <laughs> Mallrats thing because I want to see that extended cut just out of curiosity, and I want I want to see that TV cut. Those are always funny to me. The TV cut, yeah, I remember when the TV cut aired, you know, and watching it just because I'm like, what's this going to be like? And Uh it was everything you could hope for and more. The big thing, of course, being that uh, Jason Mewes ditched his uh, ADR session. (laughs) So basically, it's it's someone else who sounds nothing like him at all, whoever just happened to be in the studio on that day. And it's hilarious. But, you know, um, yeah, I, you know, Mallrats, I, I still big fan of, of, of the movie, uh, almost as much as I was back when I first saw it, you know, in 1996. And, uh, you know, you talk about a legacy sequel, something which they've been planning on forever and, you know, has morphed into various things over the years. Of course, now what it would become, I think, I think he said this is, is it's going to be generational, right? Mm-hmm. The kids of of the uh, the characters in in mall rats hanging out at the mall or whatever the mall may be these days. Yeah. So you know, I mean that that I think could be interesting. I think the most uh, compelling idea that that had been tossed around was at one point it was going to be a TV series for Netflix. Um, oh yeah, I remember that. Never happened, but man, I would have loved to have seen that happen one day. I, I bet you. I bet you that might be next on the on on the docket for, oh, yeah, for after, him after Clerks Three. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised, you know. We'll but, see. I mean, um, imagine if Clerks Three was like a hit, like like financially, critically. So I would yeah. love that for Smith. I would love him to have a win in my book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if yeah. it's a good film and if it's critically acclaimed, I do hope that for him. And I wish it again. Like I say, like after Clerks Three. And if it's good, I would love to see more of like this, you know, the Morats, you know, universe. And uh, I don't know, make a Chasing Amy too, too. Why not? Although I will say, I forgot about this until just now. <laughs> they did basically have Chasing Amy too in Jane Silent Bob reboot. Yes, which was weird. <laughs> But hey, you'll talk about that in the future episode. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, I, I have no doubt that this is going to be financially successful, Clerks 3. I mean, the way that, you know, they're selling their, their tour dates and everything. I mean, that's his new formula and just like keeping costs low in order to maximize profits and whatever. But the way that it's being released, I feel like it's going to be hard for it to make an impact uh, in a way that will be 
meaningful, even if all of the critics who see it love it, there's just not going to be any like traction there. There's going to be no outlet for them to, you know, you're not going to have whatever it is. I mean, not to compare it to Top Gun, but like (laughs) where you have this like word of mouth building, whatever, and it's like a whole thing. There's no way that that could possibly happen because it's one and done in a sense, you know? Yeah. So Mike just broke my heart because I wanted to say, I hope Crooks 3 is the next Top Gun Maverick. I I hope it is too. It won't be, but I hope it is too. We shall see. Mm -hmm. All right. So one more thing to talk about here. Yes. Um, Oh, yes. The the music video, uh, which came out uh, right around the same time as Mallrats, which was um, uh, to tie into the soundtrack in particular, uh, the cover of Build Me Up Buttercup, uh, was it the Goops who sang this? I don't know, to be honest. Um, but, um, yes, this video was directed by, by Smith. And um, what were your thoughts on it? I First off, I love the cover. Uh, I, I know the lyrics to the original song because it played at the end of, um, what is it? There's something about Mary. Uh, yes, yes. And for some reason, as a kid, I rewatched that like that song number i think it was like the end credits over and over and over i just learned the song anyway good song good cover the music video i did i did love it because it's it's very self-referential it is meta it's like hey we can't get spike jones so let's just copy what a spike jones music video would look like yep um but yeah i i loved it. it's 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 playful it's it's funny it's just Jane Silent Bob just like doing things you'd expect in a you know music video from 1995. Um, I liked it a lot. Yeah, you know it's it's a lot different from. I mean, we we talked about on the last episode, can't even tell which was the music video for Clerks, and and in a lot of ways, this is that thing that that I was saying. I I it's the antithesis of the thing that I was saying I liked about uh, can't even tell, which is you know. Um, instead of doing a a video where you have a bunch of like clips from the movie you recreate a scene from the movie um which is something that i think you could really only do with that um with that movie um right but with this movie I think by making it so self-referential that you're saying like, and now you get to see clips from the movie that sort of like undercuts uh, the, the terrible thing that you had with those, those uh, music video tie-ins uh, back in the day. <laughs> and um, I, I think it's fun. I, I do think it's fun for sure. Yeah. I, I should note that um, this is the kind of playful, you know, wink to the camera sort of thing I love from Smith, mm-hmm. but when he does it, in a movie like James and Bob reboot, I hate it to death. <laughs> he does that too much. I think, I think that's one of his faults as a filmmaker later on in his career. He's just a very winky straight face. Look at the camera. Like, Hey, you know what I'm doing here? But here, Hey, 1995 works for me. You know what I think you need to do? I think you need to pivot when it comes to <laughs> Kevin Smith content. And instead of watching his movies, you just need to like listen to his podcast I, I gonna say. Routines, you know i think that's the way to go but see oh i i uh, i want to watch a movie though mike <laughs> i and i already have enough podcasts to listen to i already have enough podcasts to release i you know what i i've never said this well i may have said this on a episode with like marcus serving but i did listen to kevin smith podcast there for a while 
for like maybe two or three months, but mm. it was just way too much to keep up with. Yes. Like he has way too many podcasts. He talks for way too long. The episodes, mm-hmm. I shouldn't say anything. I mean, I have long episodes, <laughs> but I just had enough. Like at one point, I can't hear this man talk anymore. I, I, I generally like what he's saying, but there's just too much. So yeah. yeah, I probably will never get into his podcast again. His stand-up stuff. I've seen clips of it. I did see one of his. I did rent a DVD of his of his one of his things. I forget what it was. It was fine, but I don't know. I feel like I get enough Kevin Smith talking in just living my living my life. You know, okay. like for this right. podcast, I heard him talk all day today at me <laughs> for like an hour. You know, <laughs> yes. total, and I was like, yeah. "This is fine. I'm good with this." <laughs> um, I, I was thinking of like putting on the commentary. I might listen to that later. Maybe we'll see. But yeah, I, I think I get enough Smith. Thank you, Mike. Okay. <laughs> I, got, I got enough. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair yeah. enough. All right. Well, we'll be back next week or next time uh, to talk about Chasing Amy, uh, Kevin Smith's comeback movie after the failure, which is Mallrats. Um, but uh, until then, Marcelo, where can people find you on the internet? Yes, they can find me and a lot of other great people and podcasts and, uh, and wonderful, wonderful, I say this lovingly, content uh, over at TalkFromSociety.com. Um, and if you go to our Patreon, Patreon.com slash TalkFromSociety, you'll get more. Um, uh, when this comes out, uh, we'll have uh, a tenant commentary already out on the mm. Patreon. I made Marcus Irving suffer through the movie Tenant for two and a half hours. As I try to explain it to him, um, did he did he end up liking it more by the end of the recording? Just tune in. Uh, but yeah, there you go. Uh, check out again patreon.com slash talk from society to find more stuff for me and to help support the site. That's it. And you can find me on Twitter and Letterboxd at Mumbles3K. And you can also find me on my website, filmdamagepod.com, where I do a show called Film Damage, where we talk about film projection, provide audio commentaries for the latest episodes of Star Trek, and talk about time travel movies to try to figure out whether or not the time travel makes any sense. Okay. Well, thanks for joining me, Marcelo. I really appreciate it. Also, thanks for hosting this podcast. I really appreciate that, too. I'll be back next time to talk about Chasing Amy. But until then, if you plan to podcast, let us know. <laughs>